This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, we we know this is true, that if a a house is built on, on a foundation of sand, won't be long until it gives way, crumbles, it's destroyed. Lord God, help us to build the lives, uh, our lives on the foundation of the world. Help us to build our lives on you, our rock, our refuge, our strength, and our savior. We pray this, trusting in you, Jesus. Amen. Self-help books, self-help articles, blogs, podcasts, they're they're all over the place. They're all the rage in our culture of self-actualization. You know, we want to be the the best that we can be. We want to have the best life. We want to live a a better life. And so again, self-help books, articles, blogs, all that, they're all over the place. I'm told that a conservative estimate for self-help books is that 300,000 self-help books are published every year, 300,000. What that means is that on average, 821 books on self-help so that we can live a better life are published every single day. Which one do we choose? I'm sure that there's good in all of them, but but where do we go? Here's an idea, maybe a a starting point for us. For most of us in our cars in the glove compartment box, we've got an owner's manual, right? And if there's something wrong with our car, if a light goes on or whatever, it it just kind of makes sense to go to the owner's manual, right? To understand what's going on. They made the car, they manufactured it, they they know, just makes sense. So with that being said, doesn't it make sense that we would go to the one who not only created us, but who redeemed us? That doesn't it make sense to go to his word to find a way to live a better life? Today, as Pastor Ben mentioned, we're beginning a, a new series, Top 10 Ways to live a better life. And today we're just gonna go ahead and and start it off uh, with the first commandment. We're gonna answer this question, why did God give us the first commandment? And as we start this series, I think it's important to keep in mind that as we look at all these different teachings that we're gonna look at, all these different ways to live a better life, that they are given to us by God in a loving relationship, okay? And so as we look at these words, look at these teachings all the way through this entire series, just picture it as a loving father giving guidance and teaching to his dear children, okay? So let's jump into Exodus chapter 20. That's kind of gonna be our home base throughout. 
It says this in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So when God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, he is identifying himself to us. He is the Lord your God. That word God there is the word in Hebrew that means the almighty God, that there is no one not even close to as powerful as he is. He is so powerful that he is the creator God. He created all things. The scriptures say every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. And so just as as your house, your car, the chair that you're sitting in right now, it didn't just appear, it didn't just happen, someone made it, so God created the whole world. So for example, God said way back at the beginning, he said, let there be light. And since that point in time in history, light has been cruising around through the galaxies at 5.88 trillion miles per year. And I don't know what you think, but I think that's pretty cool. And I, I think that's kind of powerful. And that God created mankind from the dust of the ground. And scripture tells us from that point on, then he's been knitting us together in our mother's wombs. And some of you know this, that when you're under the light, you can check this out when you get home or if you're at home now, you can check it out in the light. If you look between your thumb and your index finger, you're gonna be able to see the knit marks because God knit us together inside our mother's wombs. He's the almighty, powerful, creating God. He further identifies himself as the Lord, okay? That word there, Lord, that is the covenant God of grace. This is the God of shocking, surprising, no one would have thought about it, unconditional love. A love that just blows us away because no one would have expected it because we certainly don't deserve it. God gives a reference to this, his shocking love. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He is saying, I love you. I'm on your side. I am with you. Okay. Now that, that creator God and that savior God, that God of covenant grace, he reveals a little bit more about himself. He says, I am a jealous God. Okay, I'm a jealous God. And keep in mind, God doesn't need our praise, but we need to praise him. God doesn't need us to, to glorify him, but we need 
to glorify him. When God says that, that he's a jealous God, it's not because he's insecure. It's because he so adamantly wants the best for us. And so he says, you shall have no other gods because I want the best for you. I don't know about you, but it just seems to make sense to me. When you have the, the creator God, the, the savior God who's pulling for us, who's in our day-to-day -day lives and has a plan for our eternity, it just makes sense to worship him, to give him all the glory. And yet, isn't it true that, that so often people say, when God says, you shall have no other gods, that he is being controlling and that he is being insecure and that he is being mean and, and that he doesn't want us to be free and that, and that he doesn't love us. Well, we'll think about it this way, right? My son and his family, Andrew and Taylor, their daughter Zoe, they just moved to Phoenix, okay? Zoe's two years old. They're there, you know, a day or two. Zoe loads up her stroller with all these dollies, right? And she's taken off down the driveway and Andrew intercepts her, okay? And says, Zoe, you can go on the sidewalk. And go back and forth, shows her the sidewalk. But Zoe, you can't go out in the street and shows her the street and says, the street is black. He reiterates it again. Zoe, you can go on the sidewalk, but you cannot go out into the black street. Is he being mean and controlling? Or is he being loving? God gave us the first commandment because he loves us. You shall have no other gods. Do you know of anyone who worships a, a different God than what we've been talking about so far this morning? Do you know of anyone who, who worships a God different than the creator and the Savior God? Back in, in Athens, way back when, the, the, the people in Athens, they were super, super religious, right? In their dear district, uh, they had altars and shrines set up to, to various gods. They had the, the God of this and the God of that. There was an, an altar there for every God. They even had a, an altar there to the unknown God, because they didn't want to mess up. They didn't want to leave a God out. They didn't want to get in trouble. So they set up this shrine, this altar to the unknown God. Now today, there, there are some countries, right, where, where gods are, are still there that are made of stone and wood and, and things like that. But, but that's really not our situation here, is it? But... This is what Tim Keller says in his book, Counterfeit Gods. He says, we think idols are bad things, but that's almost never the case. The greater the good, the more likely we are to expect that it can satisfy our deepest needs and hopes. And that's what our heart does. Our heart makes good things ultimate things. 
And when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, what it does is it replaces God. It becomes a a false God. It becomes an idol to us. If anyone or anything has first place in our lives, it's our God. It's our idol. Whatever your heart says, as soon as I have this or that or them, then I'm complete. I've got it made. I'm secure. I'll be happy. I'm full of love. That's an idol. If there's anything in our lives or anyone in our lives that if we say, if we lost that, if we lost them, I don't know that I could go on. I don't know that life would be worth living. That's an idol. An idol is anything or anyone that monopolizes our life. We can never get enough. An idol has such control over our lives that we'll spend our time, our energy, our money, our passion on it or them without even thinking about it. Here's something I found out in our study for today. Our hearts are polytheistic. We have a lot of false gods. Our hearts just keep on reproducing them one after another. Here are some good things that we've often made ultimate things. Achievement. Approval. Body image. Causes. Circumstances. Comfort. Competency and skills. Control. Diet. Food. Our eating habits. Health. Fitness. Knowledge. Being right. Money. Moral virtues. People. Pets. Relationships. Community. Success. Self-discovery. We think if, if we have that, we got it made. It's going to be great. But they're counterfeit gods. So I ask you again, do you, do you know of anyone who worships someone other than the creator and, and savior God that we found in Exodus chapter 20? 
The, the truth is, is that we have constructed many false gods in our lives. Ezekiel 14.3 says, these men have set up idols in their hearts. We have invested so much time, so much energy, so much passion, so much money into our counterfeit gods and idols. It's no wonder that we struggle so much. We're struggling because we try to, to have things or, or people be and do what they cannot do and be. They cannot be God. Think about when you go to the store and you go out to the checkout counter and You've got your products there and you, and you pull out a $100 bill to pay for your items. What's the clerk do? Right? Holds up the $100 bill to the light or marks it. Want to check and, and see if it's counterfeit. Right? If it's counterfeit, you're not getting what you came to purchase. Right? And that's at best. At worst, you're going to jail Last night, Jackie and I went out to, to eat. And if, if I tried to pay the, the bill with Monopoly money, how do you think that would go, right? No, I'll give you a $500 tip for Monopoly money. Right, just laugh, it's ridiculous. When we have counterfeit gods, I want you to know that Satan laughs. He thinks it's hilarious uh, because he knows that those things will end up disappointing us and taking not only our lives, but also risking our eternal lives as well. God gave us the first commandment so that we wouldn't be disappointed. So we wouldn't be empty so that we could get what our hearts really long for. Our hearts are, are polytheistic. We exchange one God for another. We heap on a, a bunch of other gods. And so are, are we doomed? Because we've invested so much into so little. Because we've invested so much into counterfeit gods and idols. I know what you want me to say. And I'll say it. No, we're not doomed. And here's how I know. Okay. Back in ancient Jewish times, the hopes and dreams of the family were all set on and based on the firstborn son, okay? So, so understand, going back, that, that firstborn son, they had to be really, really careful or that person was gonna be an idol in their family because so much depended on that firstborn son. There's a guy named Abraham. 
Uh, a guy like a, a lot of us just wanted to have a child, you know, children. But it never happened, and it, and it never happened. And his heart just kept on longing for it, though. But, but then it came that time where, where Abraham was like 75 years old, and he, he doesn't have a child, and he knows it, it's done now. But in the, in the middle of that spot in his life, God comes along and, and promises Abraham, you're going to have a son. Okay. You're going to have a son. And Abraham waited a year and, a, and another year and another year and, a, and another year and, and another year. And then finally... Finally, as, as Abraham is just waiting for this son to be born so he can love him. Finally, 25 years or so later, Isaac is born to Abraham and Sarah. He's like 100 years old. Isaac means laughter, joy. There are, there are a couple of different ways of looking at that word and that name and things like that. But, but you do have to understand, right, that Abraham and Isaac, those of you who have children, they loved him. He was their joy. About 12 years later, God comes to Abraham and says, uh, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your only son. It was a test. Abraham, who do you love more? Do you love me more? Or do you love your son more? And Abraham and Isaac set off for a mountaintop. And Abraham builds an altar there and, and he is ready to sacrifice Isaac. He, he has the knife out and the knife is in motion to sacrifice his son, his only son. And God steps in and stops him and says to Abraham, Abraham, now I see that you love me because you have not kept your only son from me. It's, it's kind of a, a shocking story, right? But how much more can we look at Jesus on the cross and say to God, now we know that you love us. Now we know that you love us because you have not withheld your only son, the son whom you love from us. Now we know that you are all in for us. Now we know that you love us. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? When we see the depth and the love of God in that action of sacrifice of his son, it makes it possible for our hearts 
to rest in God and to rest in him alone. See, no idol, no counterfeit God can do what God has, is doing, and will do for you. No idol has created you with vision, with purpose, and with meaning. No idol has has sacrificed himself for you, paying for all of your sins. No idol has died and then rose three days later and ascended into heaven. No idol is in heaven preparing a place for you. No idol has ever said, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. No idol has ever promised you the Holy Spirit and to give you the fruits of the Holy Spirit, like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. You know, really amazing ways to live our better life. See, that's why God said you shall have no other gods. He gave us the first commandment so that we could live a better life. When it comes to the first commandment and, and all the commandments, don't try to keep this commandment on your own. But look to Jesus, who kept this commandment and every commandment in your place. He's the giver of the law, and he is the fulfiller of the law. And as you, you look at him, as, as you make him the focal point of your life, what will start to happen is that you'll start to be at peace with God more and more. As you focus in on Jesus in the day-to-day, what will happen is that you will start to love God more and more. Not because of you, but because of him, the God who loves you. And then you know what will happen? God really will become first place in your life. And that's the way to a better life. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, I know at least I've been on the run. Running for this thing or that thing. And everything. And all those things end up with an empty way of living.
Lord God, thank you for you. Thank you for Jesus. Help us just to to fix our heart and our eyes on Jesus. The more we do that, the more peace we'll have. The more security we'll have. The more love we'll have. The better life we'll live. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.